0: It's Isaac Signs here, uh, Pro Football Chase podcast. Um, my voice is a little bit, it's a little bit raw, so hoping it it comes together here in a few minutes. But I did want to take uh, some time to uh, carve out a final round mock draft before Thursday's first round. So first and foremost, happy draft week to all of y'all. I'm really. enthused and excited about the draft and how things are going to unfold. I mean, at this point, you know, there's so many rumors and so many different smoke screens, as they say, it's lion season this, this week, you know, there's going to be a lot of rumors, you know, trading up or moving down, whatever the case is, you know, there is um, a lot at stake. Uh, for some of these teams that are going to continue to move forward. And so it's a big week for a lot of people. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how the draft unfolds, man. Like I said, some people have said it before, um, but I think there's a lot of disparity um, in this year's draft, a lot of scouts, a lot of coaches, a lot of teams. Um, There's not a whole lot of consensus on these players. And so, while we've been uh, being fed one thing and we've, we've looked at a lot of common trends in recent mock drafts, I mean, really, throughout the last couple of weeks, there's been a couple of consistent ones with, you know, Aiden Hutchinson being the favorite, going number one overall. Um, that continues to be the trend. But then, you know, you see other um, draft analysts like Todd McShay putting out his draft rumors, right, and you're hearing that – um Travon Walker uh, may be the number one overall pick just because of the projection and his upside, and the Jaguars, you know, trying to go with a player that has a higher ceiling than Aiden Hutchinson per se. While Travon Walker's stats aren't necessarily um, meeting Hutchinson's in twenty twenty one, they're going to bank on his potential, and so that is what McShay is starting to hear. Um, and, and now you also have your other. Um, draft analysts that say it's going to be Hutchinson, and he's the, the clear favorite. So bottom line, all these mock drafts, all these rumors, everything that we've been seeing the last several months since the end of the, the 2021 NFL season, we're finally going to get a chance to see how all this plays out, and I couldn't be more excited. There's nothing like the excitement and the anxiety that draft weekend brings, especially round one. You're seeing all the players, and I think we're going to see – about three to five players that maybe are going to sneak into round one that have not shown up in a single round one mock draft throughout this pre-draft process. And then we're going to see about two or three players that are going to slip out of round one um, that have been consistently mocked inside the, the first round of the 20 draft. This is going to be in Las Vegas, so I'm so excited um, about This event finally being live, and we're going to get to see uh, the the draft prospects that were invited. The NFL released the list a couple of weeks ago. There's going to be like 25 to 30 draft prospects that are going to be there, live and in person. You know, it kind of makes me remind, uh, be reminded about the virtual draft that we had in 2020 when everything, you know, of course, with COVID was shut down and there were no top 30 visits in person. Everything was moved to Zoom, and so now... Las Vegas is finally going to have the opportunity to host um, the NFL draft. And I know the excitement and the buzz in the, in the air is, is wild. And so I can't wait to take it all in uh, right alongside everybody else. And so with that being said, like I said, <clears throat> I wanted to release one final one-round mock draft um, this week. So number one, I have the Jacksonville Jaguars um, taking Aiden Hutchinson. I know there's those recent rumors about um, Javon Walker being the guy. And you know what? That very well could be the case. I'm still going to go with Hutchinson here. I think he's the best. end outside of Thibodeau, I talked about it last week, I still think Thibodeau is the best pure skilled pass rusher in this draft. But of course, there have been some rumors and murmurs about him being a, a self-centered um, individual who may have, his um, priorities and his brand uh, more prioritized than being a team player. And so with those reasons being stated, the Jaguars, you know, have kind of looked away from Thibodeau and number one overall. And when Thursday night comes, so we'll see how things change. I have a trade. Uh, I have the Carolina Panthers finally making a move, not being gun shy, moving from number six to trade up to number two with the Detroit Lions, beating out you know the Houston Texans and any other competitors that are looking to go for a quarterback. I have them taking Malik Willis. I know they've been um, really linked to all the top quarterback prospects in this year's draft class. I think Malik Willis makes a lot of sense, a guy that you can develop. Again, it seems like Sam Darnold is going to be the guy. Um, maybe they give him one year, let Willis really learn, develop, and then take over as the face of that franchise moving forward. So Malik Willis, um, I have him coming off the board number two, which which is very rich. But then again, quarterbacks do drive um, Thursday night drafts. In round one, we've seen it time and time, and time again. Um, teams are desperate for quarterbacks. And so I expect Malik Willis um, to be the guy coming off the board to the Carolina Panthers. They finally um, are aggressive, move up four spots, and they land Malik Willis. Now, number three, here's essentially where, where the draft starts. You know, and the Texans, they hold the cards, right? Because they could go tackle. Um, They've also a team that, of course, has stated their support for Davis Mills, but they could still go to Ekem Kwanwu. Um, And that's exactly who I have, the number one rated tackle in this draft class. Now, there has been a little bit more consensus about Iquamu being the number one rated tackle over Evan Neal and Charles Cross. And so I think Houston gets the top tackle in this year's draft class to build around, um, try to keep Davis Mills standing upright. Number four, I have a second mock trade um, in my draft, and I have the New Orleans Saints packaging their two first round picks to the New York Jets, moving up inside the top five to take Kenny Pickett. You know, the the action from Carolina, the divisional rival, spurs them to make a move and secure Kenny Pickett. And so they get there on what they hope to be their long-term quarterback of the future. And once again, they did bring back Jameis Winston. So Kenny Pickett has a year um, to really develop and learn even though he appears to be the most pro ready quarterback of this year's rookie quarterback class. Um, he would have that opportunity to sit and learn behind Jameis Winston. Now, number five, I have Charles Cross. Um, the Giants, I know that they have in this mock draft, Evan Neal's on the board there, but there have been some strong rumblings about the Giants um, being very, very high on Charles Cross because of, his potential to, to be a dominant pass protector. And so, again, they add another offensive tackle. They went with Andrew Thomas. Now they get Charles Cross. Uh, and that's that's one of the things Joe Schoen has really been prioritized and focusing in on, uh, on his first offseason there in New York as a GM is to build up the trenches on offense. They get Charles Cross at five. Number six, Trevon Walker. Um, the Lions, you know, moved back from two to six and still get the guy that everybody is penciling in um, for them. Walker, of course, talked about at the top of the podcast, he could very well be number one um, to Jacksonville. But in this, in this uh, mock draft, he's still on the board at six. The Lions get their guy while accumulating more additional draft assets. So it's a win-win for Brad Holmes and for Dan Campbell. Now, number seven, here's why I have the, the first cornerback coming off the board. To the New York Giants, um, they get their offensive tackle and, at five, and then they go, and and I know Kayvon Thibodeau seems intriguing here at seven for the Giants, but they, they're in need of a lockdown corner, especially um, knowing that there are some rumors about James Bradbury being shot. They've, they've held discussions about trading Bradbury for the last several weeks. If they do indeed pull off a trade— and San Bradbury. They're going to have a hole at corner. Um, Ahmad Gardner, the number one corner in this year's draft class, he would certainly be a good fit for the G-Men and Wink Martindale, the new D.C. there in New York. Now, number eight, um, once Gardner's off, I think the Ravens, Eric DeCosta, gets aggressive, makes a jump in front of Seattle, who loves Derek Stingley. The Ravens know that the corner position is a huge need for them to fill in the draft. And so they go and they leap ahead of the, the Seattle Seahawks at nine, move up from number 14, and they acquire. their are at number eight. So I have them being aggressive, filling that corner role with one of the top prospects in this year's draft class. Now, number nine, Seattle's sitting there. You have uh, the t- top two corners that are off the board. Well, guess what? The best edge rusher, in my opinion, is still there at nine. I think they they, they pull the trigger. They, they're not going to pass up you know cable, so they add him a uh, defense. Now Jamison Williams, um, here's where he comes off the board of my mock draft number the New York Jets. I think this is his landing spot and there's a lot of buzz about um, Jamison Williams being the number one receiver off the board despite that um, ACL recovery. You know, his agent, Rocky Arsenault, just posted a video last night um, with an update about Jameson Williams training. And he looks good. And the expectation is that he's going to be ready for training for week one. With the Jets, they, they, they try to pull the trigger on a trade for Tyreek Hill. Well, they get a guy that's very similar, that has the same explosiveness and the same game-changing speed. So Jameson James Williams goes to the Jets at number 10. Number 11, um, the Washington Commanders, who could go receiver here. They've been linked to Garrett Wilson to Drake London, but they can't pass up the valuable, versatile Kyle Hamilton, a guy that can go to Washington day one and be a replacement for Landon Collins, a hybrid kind of a, a player that Ron Rivera, I'm sure, um, is head over heels for at 11. And any other draft, Hamilton is maybe a top six, top seven pick. And if he's there at 11. I don't think Washington can avoid um, taking Kyle Hamilton, the guy that they brought in as a top 30 visit. Plus this year's draft class is very deep on receivers. And so you're not going to get a player the caliber of Kyle Hamilton at his position in the second round. So that I guess is, is, is the deciding factor of Washington going with Kyle Hamilton. Now the Minnesota Vikings at 12, I think they stay put. I think they're, they're, they're destined to add a corner. And I think they get after Trent McDuffie out of Washington, uh, a young corner that of course is undersized, but this guy has immense traits. He's got immense potential. He can go to Minnesota and go learn from one of the best corners to ever play in the game. And Patrick Peterson um kind of give him that red shirt ear but the vikings are desperately looking for a lockdown corner that they can build their defense around in the secondary especially being in the nfc uh, nfc north when you got to face aaron Rodgers a couple of times a year that secondary is going to need some some upgrades and trent mcduffie is there to make that happen 13 um i have a i have a trade here i have the the los angeles chargers jumping up um to, to draft Chris Olave, a receiver that they have held in very high regard, jumping from 17 to 13, right ahead of the Atlanta Falcons. In my mock draft, they take Olave and he's a speedster that can go along with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. So Olave, the rich get richer. Justin Herbert gets another lethal weapon to target down the field. So good luck trying to defend that receiving core uh, that LA could potentially have with Olave, Mike Williams. Keenan Allen, fourteen. I have the Atlanta Falcons sitting there, of course, trading out of eight with the Ravens. They're now at 14. In this circumstance, they're they're absolutely thrilled that Evan Neal Um, One of the top-rated tackles is still on the board. They can uh, figure out what to do with them, add the talent now. They can always kick them to guard. Of course, you got Jake Matthews' left tackle. You can start Evan Neal at right tackle. They do have Caleb McGarry there, so they could always kick McGarry to guard or Neal to guard, whatever the the case is. The Falcons, when you have a player of the caliber of Evan Neal, you don't pass him up, especially at 14. So he goes um, to Atlanta, 15. I have the Eagles going after Garrett Wilson, the receiver at Ohio State. He's on the board. He could be the number one receiver off the board, although I'm picking uh, Jamison Williams going 10 to the Jets. So the Eagles get a a physical receiver to pair with last year's first-round pick, Devontae Smith, 16. Um, The Jets, I have them going with Drake London. They do need a receiver. They already took Jamison Williams. I think they double up here um, trying to make sure that – Zach Wilson is acclimated. Has got some weapons on the outside. Um, seventeen, the Houston Texans. I have them taking George Karloftis, who is there at seventeen. Maybe a little bit of reminiscent of J.J. Watt. Not calling him J.J. Watt, but he does have that impact and that potential to be off the edge. Eighteen, I have the Philadelphia. He's going to be 24, but I don't think that age is going to be my issue considering his talent and his upside for that Philly defense. 19, I have the Jets. Again, this was a a, a pick that they traded in my mock draft. They got the, the Saints' 19th overall pick. They need to shore up that secondary. They go with Andrew Booth Jr. from Clemson. Um, 20, um, Arizona. They trade up, and they make a move for Zion Johnson. They move up from pick number 23 and they swap with the with the Pittsburgh Steelers. They get Zion Johnson. They move ahead. Um, and so they are able to, to shore up the interior of that offensive line. Then next, I have another trade. I have the Buccaneers moving up and, they, and getting a guard themselves, moving up from 27, acquiring that New England pick. They get Kenyon Green. Of course, Ali Marpet retired. They need help in that interior, so they go up and get Kenyon Green ahead of teams like the Cowboys at 24, 22. I have the Green Bay Packers using that pick they acquired from Las Vegas. They get a receiver here. It's Traylon Burks. The streak is snapped. Um, Big, dynamic target that can go and be a factor for Aaron Rodgers. 23, I have the Steelers that traded with the Cardinals, so they went from 20 to 23. Picked up some additional uh, assets, and they draft Desmond Ritter, quarterback out of Cincinnati. A little bit of surprise here. Time to get a quarterback at the end of round one. You have that fifth-year option available. Of course, they signed Mitchell Trubisky. Gives Ritter time. 20. Now, 24, Jordan Davis, a player that – some people don't expect to escape the top 10. In my mock draft, he is there on the board at 24. Dallas doesn't necessarily have eyes on him at the 24, but they did bring him in as a top 30 visit. He's the best player available. If he's there at 24, Dallas is going to run in his card. So I have the Cowboys landing Jordan Davis, the big mammoth athletic defensive tackle at 24, which I'm, I'm assuming chances are Davis is going to be for sure a top 15 pick lock. But in my mock draft, he does fall at 24 to the Dallas Cowboys. 25, I have the Bills um, shoring up that defensive line. I think they get Devontae Wyatt, a guy that they can come in, plug and play, be an instant product, uh, production type of player for Leslie Frazier's defense. 26, I have the Titans um, bolstering that edge rush. They did ink Harold Landry. They do have Bud Dupree. You can never have enough edge rushers in today's NFL. They get Jermaine Johnson who's also, you know, has rumors that he can be gone in the top 10. Um, so this this could be very unrealistic, and I can't wait to see how wrong this is. But you know what? I had, had fun with it. I think the Titans get tremendous value with Jermaine Johnson there at 26. 27, so the Patriots did move back um, from 21. They, they select Kyrie Alam, the corner out of Full T. Jackson in free agency. Their number one objective is to bolster and strengthen position. They did sign old buddy Malcolm Butler back, but they do need a young stud um, to anchor that secondary. Kyrie Lamb is the guy. They take him at 27. 28, Green Bay. They, they address the receiver need. They got Traylon Burks. Now they can take the best player available, who's Trevor Penning, the offensive tackle from Northern Iowa. He does has have position flex. Green Bay can kick him inside if they need to, but – Um, A lot to like with Trevor Penning, a guy that could go in the top 15 as well. 29 and 30, the Chiefs have back-to-back picks. I have them taking Sky Moore at 29, receiver from Western Michigan. Um, They did sign Marquez Valdez-Gantling, but Sky Moore has a different skill set. A little bit more similar to Tyreek Hill. Does not have the game-changing speed or electricity. But this is a guy that can make stuff happen after the catch. Patrick Mahomes will love him in Kansas City. And then at 30, I have Kansas City going with Travis Jones. Defensive tackle, you know, Chris Jones is still under contract. But they want to get younger at the position. They need more production. Travis Jones is a guy that can sneak into round one. Um, He does in my mock draft. He ends up in Kansas City. 31, Bengals. They want to continue stockpiling talent on the offensive line. Um, Bernard Raymond, offensive tackle from Central Michigan, is still on the board at thirty-one. They pull the trigger. They'll worry about where to play him later. They can always kick him inside. They can put him at right tackle, even though they did shore up the right tackle by signing Lyle Collins. Raymond could project as a guard. Um, talent, um, especially in round one. who if it wasn't for this guy could have very easy receiver off the board in this year's track. a lot of upside Brad Holmes decides to go with Trayvon Walker with his first pick then he gets a receiver target there at 32 fifth year option secured for George Pickens and that does it for my round one mock draft. And so that's, that's kind of how I have things lined up right now. I do have the jets double dipping at receiver because they did pick up 16 and 19, two picks from the saints, including um, having their own. So three picks. So they end up with Drake Lennon, and Jamison Williams and Andrew Booth. So they shore up the receiver and the cornerback positions. Um, again, uh, I can't wait for Thursday just because all these mock drafts that we've been seeing these last several weeks, they're going to be absolutely wrong and butchered. And it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a lot of fun to see how wrong things are, and and I, I have immense anticipation waiting to see where some of these studs end up. You know, and let's keep in mind that that the first round does get all the attention, right? But I also find it fascinating because day two and day three are really the money spots for for developing championship rosters. I mean, you look at—I um, don't have those percentages in front of me but I do know that there are more starters in the NFL that come in, in rounds three through five, than there are in rounds one and two, you know, and so you actually see more of these productive starters that have these 10 year careers that actually come off the board on day two and day three. And so that's what, that's where I believe the draft is most important because now you're starting to look, um, you're start you're, you're starting to, uh, to build your team with, with these second, third, fourth, fifth round picks, and maybe even late day three picks, you know, and that's the beauty of the draft. You never know who you can hit on. Of course, the chances of hitting on a, on a starting caliber player when you're picking in the sixth and seventh round is very low. At that point you're drafting for traits, but the excitement exists where all it takes is one player that was overlooked, a hidden gem, right, a diamond in the rough, and next thing you know, you found yourself a starting player um, for the next 10 years that you, you didn't even anticipate, right? And so that's what makes the draft so intriguing. It makes it so fascinating is to see how these players are eventually going to blossom, and then a lot of pressure on these first, second, third-round picks, because in most cases, you know, unless you're a team that's just stockpiling talent at a position that you already have depth at, a lot of these players that are, are going on Thursday night and Friday – they're expected to come in day one and if not be a starter, compete to be a starter or for significant playing time. And so the standards are very high for these guys that go early because they know they gotta they gotta start performing and excelling from the jump, you know, and so that also factors into a lot of these guys and their mindsets is like, man, I'm signing a multi-million dollar deal. I have immense pressure on me, especially if you're a first round pick, you know, and quarterbacks obviously wearing wearing the bulk of that pressure, you know, because now, you know, the clock's ticking from the minute that that team selects you. And it's even more so if that team gives up, you know, draft compensation to, to move up for you, you, you have a target on your back now. You know, now you better come and you better perform to the highest of your abilities because if you don't, good luck. A whole fan base and a whole NFL community is going to be ripping your name and dragging you for being a quote-unquote bust If you're not ready to contribute and if you're not looking, even if you're not looking good in the preseason or in your first training camp practice when you go 11 on 11. And so a lot of that plays a factor in these players and how they're able to find success, the systems they're drafted into. And so we're going to see how all of these pieces of the puzzle are put in place Come on Thursday night I feel like the time has flown by I remember the Super Bowl coming we're in early February and it was like man we still have a long ways to the end of April to get to the draft and then the combine comes in early March and it's like man we're still almost two months away well guess what ladies and gentlemen we're April 25th today the draft is right around the corner four days time 7 p.m. Central Time, we're going to have Round 1 open up by the NFL Commissioner, Roger Goodell, and it's going to be a blast. I don't know where you plan to watch it. I'm sure some of you have some extravagant plans. Some of you maybe are going to be in Vegas for the live event. Absolute blast. Take pictures. announced Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, including a 5K. You know, or if you're just like me, you know, you're going to watch it from your home on a big screen, get some good food, enjoy the event. I mean, it's always a spectacle every single year, and it's going to be so much more fun to take in that it's going to be live. You're going to have players coming into the stage. You're going to have the fan dynamic. You're going to have boos. You're going to have screams, yells. You know, you name it. Um, the NFL, that's one thing you can't take away from them. They always are putting forth um, the very best possible production that they can. And then and, and it makes for must-see TV. You know, the, the dramatics, the insiders live, you know, reporting on teams that are, are in negotiations for a trade-up or a trade-down. Maybe some big-time players, um, veterans are going to be on the move. When when round one officially gets underway, obviously you know Debo Samuel. That situation still needs to be settled. You, you know he requested out. The question is, are the are the forty niners actually going to trade him? And if they do, you'd imagine that they want to trade him during night one of the draft because you want to be able to get that draft comp and and try to draft his successor immediately, as opposed to holding him. Uh, until after the draft, then what? Then any draft pick you receive for Debo Samuel is not going to be good till 2023, right? So I think the pressure is also on the Niners now trying to survey um, Debo Samuel's trade market and see what they're able to get for him. Um, I know the Jets have been rumored to, to be interested in Debo Samuel. Maybe the pick 10 is, is kind of the, the eye and the expectation for some of these teams. And so um, we'll see. Time will tell. It's going to be very exciting um, to see where this thing goes on Thursday night. Um, I will be having post by post um, updates for sure for rounds one through three. So Thursday and Friday, I'll be posting picks. Every pick that is that is uh, that is listed, I will have on my Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter with the graphics. I already got with my graphic guy. Everything's ready to go. I've got pictures of of the prospects. Um. So so I'm going to have those live pick-by-pick updates. So if you're not able to watch live, you want to turn on notifications on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. I'll be having the latest picks, the trades, all that stuff. Tune into my page at Pro Football Chase. I got you covered. Looking forward to it. Um, and again, finally, we get to put – to rest all the talk, all the smoke screens, we get to, we get to then realize, okay, what was actually legit rumor and what was all smoke. And and when you see these executives talking and guess what, we're going to have more fuel you know, leading up to Thursday when all these GMs are going to their press conferences, pre-draft press conferences, talking about what their priorities are. You're going to have some GMs that are going to put out some statements out there trying to, you know, shake up some things in the draft, give teams some impressions that maybe they're eyeing a certain player, a certain position. Um, thus making teams maybe get a little bit alert and say, you know what, maybe we need to trade up ahead of this specific team. We want X player um, and so, so, you know, the, the draft analytics start going wild um, from the jump. So uh, it'll happen all Thursday night and Friday. And then of course, Saturday, day three rounds four through seven starts at 11 a.m. on Saturday. So it'll be a joy. Can't wait to tune in. Um, hope that you are enjoying today's podcast. Just a little bit of fun having one last mock draft before the big thing. Um, but again, we'll see um, just how many players we are, we're surprised by that end up going round one. I'll be back here next Monday. This time we'll recap the crazy draft weekend. We'll see where everybody's at. We'll see how you're feeling about your team's draft load on who was acquired, um, who fits where, why a team made a certain move. I'll have all the breakdowns coming your way next Monday live here at um, the lunch hour, whether it be 12.15 or 12.45. I'll be coming live with plenty to discuss at the table regarding the 2022 NFL Draft. I appreciate your time. Have a great rest of the Monday afternoon. Just know we're a day closer to the NFL Draft. Tomorrow's Tuesday, and Thursday will come before we know it. So signing off one last time, I appreciate you tuning in to the Pro Football Chase Podcast right here on the call app. Have a great rest of the day.